You are listening to the sermon stream of the Mulvane Church of Christ in Mulvane, Kansas. Subscribe in your favorite podcatching app or find and listen to any sermon online at mulvanechurch.com slash sermons. If you would be turning to Galatians 6, please. We'll take our reading there from the end of Paul's letter to the Galatians, most likely the first letter that he wrote. He had talked to them about the superiority of Jesus and the way of salvation in him as compared to the law in particular. And he talked about the effects of walking by the Spirit and not walking in the flesh. So Galatians 6, beginning in verse 11. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. Those who desire to make a good showing in the flesh try to compel you to be circumcised, simply so that they will not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For those who are circumcised do not even keep the law themselves, but the desire to have you circumcised so that they may boast in your flesh. But may it never be that I should boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision is anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And those who walk by this rule Peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause trouble for me, for I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brethren. Amen. And so here we have the Apostle Paul saying, See, look, I'm writing y'all with really large letters this part. Now we know the Apostle Paul often had secretaries as it were, uh, transcriptionists write uh, letters for him such as in Romans 16 a fellow by the name of Tertius says he wrote the letter and he sent his greeting I Tertius, Romans 16 22, who write this letter greet you in the Lord. Well we know it's the letter of Paul not the letter of Tertius but Tertius wrote it. And in 2 Thessalonians 3, Paul said, I write this greeting with my own hand. This is my distinguishing mark. In every letter, this is the way I write. 1 Corinthians 16, Colossians 4. We'll also have such notes. And so here the Apostle Paul, pen in hand, making his John Hancock, as it were, his own distinguishing way of writing, he since he has the pencil in his hand, he's going to add a few things. He's going to summarize and exhort in closing. Now, y'all know that I always try to point out when, thing is, when something is made a summary statement. And summary statements, I think, are of the utmost importance. How is it that we view a thing? What of, a, of the many things that there are uh, about a thing do we view as the most important thing? So when somebody says, hey, uh, Jay, hey, Doug, hey, whoever. What about baptism? I might say a few different words than Doug, but hopefully we'd be in the same ballpark. 
Well, there's about eight things about baptism. For by one spirit, we're all baptized into one body. Uh, we know that uh, baptism is for remission of sins. Uh, we know that baptism pictures with its burial in water and rising up. It, it pictures uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Uh, we know uh, that baptism is tied with washing away sin. We, we know eight or nine things about baptism, but most people don't want eight or nine things when they just say, hey, say something quickly about it. How do we summarize it? And how we summarize it might be a really important thing. For instance, when some of our friends, particularly the Baptist tap that I grew up with, their summary of baptism was an outward sign of inward grace. Well, that's a summary of baptism. And honestly, uh, there's nothing that's directly wrong with that. But it's so simplified and it is so uh, partial that I think it, it, it's deceptive. Even though every word of it is actually, I think, true. It is an outward sign. Baptism is a sign. It's a symbol for this present age. Baptism is definitely a sign and a symbol. Baptism definitely does uh, relate to the inward grace we have. But it's such a partial and bad summary that I think it's actually, it's actually deceptive. And so we have a number of places where we have summaries. And how we summarize a thing, I think, is really important and also telling. Well, here's the Apostle Paul sort of recapping or summarizing the whole book of Galatians. Since he's got the pencil in his hand, he's going to make his own summary. So first, he's going to tell us about those other folks. Paul was writing this letter because there were problems. There were people troubling, he would say, bewitching the Galatians, taking them away from the purity and truth of the saving gospel, that which was from the Holy Spirit. And so Paul was uh, at times very pointed with those folks. At one time saying, if they like cuttings and circumcisions so much, just cut the whole thing off right there. Be done with it. And so, yes, he's got some people that he's directing this to. And he tells us first in his summary about these folks, that they are trying to make a good show of the flesh. Their motivation is a fleshly one. Now, I often suspect that about folks, that it's a uh, fleshly motivation that's guarding or guiding their religious argument. But I never know it for the absolute certainty of apostolic revelation like Paul does. Paul says they desire. He knows their thoughts because it's been revealed to him by God. This is a province of God, not of us. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2.11, he says, For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. And so we don't know what God says or what God means except what God has said. And we don't know what other people are thinking. But Jesus would tell us we can know them by their fruits so we can tell what they do. And so... Here the Apostle Paul tells us with the surety of the knowledge of God, because like Psalm 44, 21 says, he knows the secrets of the heart, or Acts 15, 8, God who knows the hearts testifies this, or 1 John 3, 20, God is greater than our hearts and he knows all things, or John 2, Jesus was not entrusting himself to men because he knew what was in men, 
See, the word of God will tell us what's in men when we can't otherwise know. And so here the Apostle Paul tells us about these guys. He says, yeah, they got bad fruit, but I can tell you, they are rotten at the core. That they are compromised in this because their desire is not to please God. Their desire is to make a good showing in the flesh. That's why they want to compel you to be circumcised, even though he'll say they don't keep the law themselves. And so sometimes we wonder about the uh, inconsistency of men, that they are so big for a thing, that they are so in for a thing, yet the thing that would have seemed to go with it, they don't, they don't care about that at all. Uh, you know, we would think if, if somebody were building an airplane and they, they spent all their time on the right wing of the plane, but not the left, it's like, well, we're going to have a problem. Or the mechanic to make sure everything on the driver's side, the left side of the car, is in perfect working order. He's made sure that all four cylinders of the V8 on his side are good. He's made sure that the shocks and the steering wheel, and he's made sure that the tires on his side of the car are all good. Yeah, but what about the other four cylinders? And what about the other shocks? And what about the other tires? I don't care. That's somebody else's business. But, no. And so sometimes we have this kind of inconsistency which we'd never see in physical things, yet we see in spiritual, they want to circumcise you so badly, but they're still not following the law. Well, if we could win arguments by pointing out inconsistencies, we would have no trouble in this world with any political question, would we? Because who cannot point out inconsistencies on the other side? But these guys, Paul says, yeah, they're being inconsistent, but we need to be honest-minded. They are not being honest about this. Their, their desire to have you circumcised is for a good showing in the flesh. He says simply, so they won't be persecuted. Ah, that's why they're inconsistent. Because circumcision has been made the test. Not does a person keep the law with uh, faithfulness and justice and mercy not loving God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, not loving their neighbors themselves, not keeping the first and second commandments, uh, not even following the Shema, you know, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and all that goes with that. They've reduced down their position, and the test of their position, the litmus test of the people on their side is, are you circumcising folks or not? And that's what happens when we get into areas of life where truth is not the primary concern so that consistency isn't bothered with. If truth is a primary concern, some level of consistency would be demanded. Now, we should be gracious and give people time to become consistent if they really and truly believe a thing. And, and pointing out inconsistencies is not always the, uh, the full answer to every error of men, because sometimes they don't know. But in this case, they have made a litmus test of this Judaizing uh, element in the church. Can they get people to be circumcised or not? Now, before it was reduced to that, what did Paul have Timothy do? Be circumcised so he could go teach in the synagogue. But when they made it a test like that, and he had a Gentile brother, Titus, what did Paul say about Titus? We would not let him be circumcised. And so whether you're actually circumcised or not, 
That, Paul even says, here doesn't matter. Christ can deal with you either way, right? Christ can save you either way. But you guys are making a test of Christ, of circumcision. And why are they doing it? So they won't be persecuted for the cross. The, the Jewish folks, the Judaizing teachers, were more interested in their ancestral ways than they were in the ways of Christ. And the purity of Christ, the simplicity of the cross, the truth of that and that alone, that Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father but by me. Well, they were saying, yeah, but, and be circumcised too, right? There's no name, Acts 4.12. There's salvation in no one else. There's no other name under heaven that's been given among men by which we must be saved as long as you're in Christ and you're circumcised. And so they had this Christianity that included the culture they were from. It included parts of the Jewish culture. And Paul jettisoned that especially among the Gentile brethren. He didn't jettison it just to jettison it. Paul didn't go walk into the synagogues with a ham sandwich, right? He, he didn't go just to flaunt it. But he wouldn't take the Jewish culture to the Gentiles. What would Paul do to take the gospel to Gentiles? Whatever, anything, everything, right? Paul would be shipwrecked while traveling to preach to them. Paul would be beaten. Paul would be imprisoned. Paul would be stoned. Paul would be mocked. Paul would be intimidated. Then he kept going. When it came to taking the gospel to Gentiles, Paul would do anything because it's the gospel. But when it came to taking the Judaizing things, the Jewish things to the, God, to the Gentiles, Paul wouldn't cross the street for it. And he wouldn't let other people cross the street to compel them, because the thing that mattered was Christ. Were you a Jew who was a Christian? Were you circumcised as a Jew? Did you still keep your Sabbath? Even did you still go to the synagogue? That's fine so long as you were in Christ. Were you a Gentile who didn't keep a single dietary law, who broke every single Sabbath there was because you didn't know about it growing up and you'd learned a little bit of it now and thought, oh, that's an interesting thing for those Jews to have done. You could be in Christ. What mattered was you could be in Christ. And on the Lord's day, Paul would meet with the brethren. The congregation is made up of them both. But these guys are the Jews to avoid persecution by some of their fellow Jews. They could always say, yeah, but we're out there circumcising these Gentiles. See? And Paul said, no, get that out of here. We're in, the, we're in the church and we're in Christ now. And so he says, verse 13, those who are circumcised don't keep the law themselves. But they desire to have you circumcised so they may boast in your flesh. So they can tell their Jewish friends back home, hey, I know we're in the church now, but look at all the Gentiles we circumcised. We're, we're, spreading, we're spreading the ancient ways. We're spreading the things of the people. Don't bother with us. Uh, you know, we, we're still with you guys. And Paul said, you can be with those guys, you can be with Christ. They desire to boast in your flesh. I think about all the weird things that people boast in. You know what? And it's strange as it is, telling your Jewish friends that I got 20 or 30 or 50 or 100 Gentiles to get circumcised, here's the foreskins, 
That's not even the weirdest ones. What do we make boast of? What do we, what do we, what do we try to uh, you know, prove ourselves better or prove ourselves in or, or prove ourselves a part of a thing? What silly things will we do so that we can fit in? And then we boast we did that. If we had anybody here who's a member of fraternity, I bet you could tell us some really funny stories. Maybe even dangerous stories about things of which people did and then boasted about having done so they could be part of the group. In this case, Paul says, look, take that kind of worldly and fleshly mindset, take it out of the church, and take it someplace else where you can get whatever you want out of it, but we don't want that in here. We're not going to have you guys circumcised so these guys can feel good about the things uh, that they're related to and interested in back home. So we're only, and I'm only, I'm going to make just one boast. And that boast is in the Lord. But may it, may it never be that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus. I boast in the cross. Well, what are we boasting about? If we boast in the cross, we're boasting that one died for me. We're boasting about what somebody else did when I couldn't. We're boasting about the things of God, not the things of man. It says in Psalm 20, some boast in chariots and some in horses. But we will boast in the name of the Lord our God. Or Psalm 34, my soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. And so we can boast in the Lord. That's the one thing throughout all the scriptures we're always safe to boast in. To boast in the Lord. Here to boast in the cross. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, to boast in the gospel. 1 Corinthians 1, 26. Consider your calling, brethren. There are not many wise according to the flesh. Not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are. The base things of the world and the despised God has chosen. The things which are not. So that he may nullify the things that are. So that no man may boast before God. God chose what's not. God chose what's foolish. God chose what's despised. God chose what's weak. And he said, I'm going to save you through that. I'm going to save you through a person, a man, an ancient man from Galilee. I'm going to save you through him that on the outskirts of Jerusalem, that there on a hill outside of town, mocked and despised, made naked to put him to shame, he died a gruesome death. I'm going to make that the way of your salvation. I'm going to have you think about that on a regular basis. I'm going to have you look to that for hope. I'm going to look, I'm going to have you say that that is the most important thing in the world to you. And so that we can boast only what God did, not what we might have done. So continue on in 1 Corinthians 1. For by his doing you're in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, just as it's written, 
Let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. So there, that long time ago, bloody naked man on a cross, dying for you and for me, that became for us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. And that's what we got. We got that man on that cross. We got that man and the message that comes from him and through him and about him, that message of God, so that let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Paul said, that's my boast. These guys are boasting in what they've done. The, 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 the number of people they've convinced to be circumcised but I'm boasting in what God did through Jesus and nothing else. As it says in Jeremiah 9, 23, thus says the Lord, let not a wise man boast of his wisdom. Oh boy, don't they do that. And let not the mighty man boast of his might. Oh man, have you seen the UCF? Have you seen those boastful fellows? Have you seen those, those fellows? Let not the rich boasters, oh, they like to do that too. But let a man boast of this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice and righteousness on the earth, for I delight in these things, declares the Lord. So we don't boast in wisdom, might, or riches. Well, that's pretty much what this world has. As a matter of fact, in this world, those things are the spade hands, right? Riches, wisdom, and might. And Jeremiah says those things are nothing. But knowing God is everything. And that's what Paul says in Christ. So, going on in verse 14. Through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And so this, the cross is where it all connects. We connect to God through the cross. But we've also been crucified to the world. So this is the place where we disconnect from the world. The world has been crucified to me. And I have been crucified to the world. So imagine if we have an electric circuit and somebody cuts the wire. Now imagine if they cut the wire at both ends. What's going to happen to that circuit? It's not going to work. It's been cut. It's been cut twice. And what do you think about a circuit that's been cut twice? You know, you find a circuit that's been cut, you think, oh, this broke. Maybe it got stressed. Maybe, something, maybe somebody cut it by accident. Maybe some bad thing happened here. But what if you find a circuit where it's been cut twice at both ends? Okay, that's on purpose, isn't it? Somebody's done did this on purpose, right? And so it is here. Our crucifixion of the world, I've been crucified, the world's been crucified to me and I to the world. We have cut the connection. We've terminated it at both ends. So that's on purpose. That's intentional. Like Paul would tell the Philippians, he said, more than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and I count them but rubbish so I may gain Christ, and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. So we're living in the righteousness of God on the basis of faith. That's what the whole book of Galatians is about. And that's what Paul just summarized there to the Philippians. Pleasing God, being in the Lord, being found uh, right in God through Christ. That's what this 
is all about. And if you've done that, Paul says, we're now a new creation. Verse 15, for neither is circumcision anything nor uncircumcision. So the only people that circumcision is affecting right now is those who are getting distracted by it. Those people who are circumcised, trying to boast and getting more to be circumcised. Those people who weren't circumcised but were convinced to be circumcised, so now they think they're closer in or more secure. It's, the only thing that's happening in circumcision right now is false security. But the fact of circumcision means exactly nothing, not spiritually. And today you can read health journals, and they'll argue circumcision beneficial, circumcision harmful. At this point, the consensus still seems to be circumcision physically has some benefits. But is that what Paul's talking about here? Some minor health benefits in regard to various kinds of cancers or other kinds of things? No. So circumcision, when it comes to Christ, is nothing unless you've let it be a distraction. What's important is that you're a new creation. Reading about all those things that people didn't sin, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, after that list of sinful things, such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. That's what matters. Being washed, justified, and sanctified in the Lord Jesus Christ. Or in Romans 6, being baptized into Christ so that we're baptized into his death, having been buried with him through baptism in order that as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. And then having done that, that the old self is crucified, the body of sin is done away, and that we should no longer be slaves to sin. And so it wasn't in circumcision that united you united with Christ. And it wasn't in circumcision that the body of sin was done away. It wasn't in circumcision that you were freed from slavery to sin. You think about all the circumcised slaves of sin. Old Testament was full of them. Paul's society was full of them. They were all fully circumcised, but they were all still full in the grips of sin. But now comes Christ to free us from that. And if we live in him by faith, what do we have? Well, if we walk by this rule, Verse 16, and to those who walk by this rule, what's that? Well, we're relying on Jesus by faith, trusting in him. For those who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. That last one is a little bit of a dig by Paul. What did the Jews think the circumcised folks were? God's special people, the Israel of God. But really, who's the Israel of God, right? Go to the book of Romans. He is a Jew who's one inwardly, and that circumcision is of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from men, but from God. Or Romans 9, 6, about all those, about those circumcised, but still slaves of sin. It is not those who, but it is not those, it is not as though, pardon, the word of God has failed, for they were not all Israel, who descended from Israel. So the real Israel were the faithful ones all along. And now there's, they can be faithful without even the need of that outward sign of circumcision because we're not under the law, but we're under Christ. As Psalm 40 says, how blessed is the man who has made the Lord his trust, 
and is not turned to the proud, nor to those who lapse into falsehood. How blessed is the man who's made the Lord his trust. Or Jeremiah 17, blessed be the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. He will be like a tree planted by the water, just like Psalm 1, that extends its root by the stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor cease to yield fruit. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? So we got two groups there. Those with the desperately sick and sinful heart. And we got those who trust in the Lord and who make the Lord their trust. So that's what Paul means when he says, those who walk by this rule, peace and mercy. And then eventually here, we'll see at the end, verse 18, grace be upon them. So Paul says, let no one trouble me from now on. For I bear in my body the brand marks of Jesus. You can just look at me and all these scars I'm wearing, those 39 stripes save one he got several times, beaten with rods, time without measure. It's obvious that he's out there suffering for Christ. He said, you guys want to trouble me because I won't circumcise folks? He said, get out of here with that. No. He said, don't trouble me. I suffer enough for Christ. I don't need to suffer from you. But instead, grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, be with your spirit, brethren. Amen. And so grace to the brethren who walk by the rule. The rule of what? Trusting in the Lord. And so, it's not circumcision. It's faithfulness. It's following Jesus with a full and a pure heart. It's making yourself a new creation in him by the things he said not by following these old ways. So, as I say, summaries are real important. It's important how we summarize things. And here's Paul. Here's his own handwritten summary of the book of Galatians. Those under the law are compromised. They're fleshly. Our boast instead is in the Lord and what he's done through Jesus Christ. This is what makes us in him to be a new creation. And this is where we find peace and mercy and grace. With that, we close. Asking this morning if you need to come to the invitation of Jesus Christ to name him as <coughs> the Messiah, as the one in whom all things would come as Paul did, and thus be baptized, repenting of your sins. Or if you need to come back, the invitation is offered as we stand and sing. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ. Additional sermons and information available online at malvanechurch.com. Come see what a difference the Bible way makes.